There is a problem uh, with metaphors. I'm not sure. Am I on here? No, I'm not. Um, the problem with metaphors is that not all societies uh, get the depth of an analogy, right? So, for example, we talked about like, Christ telling parables. We talked about, remember, the, 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 the parable talker, you know, the guy who talks during parables. But uh, if you were a farmer, then you got most of Jesus' parables. Those were understandable. A lot of times, I think we don't understand a lot of his parables. We're not going to go through a parable of Jesus uh, today. But, but just as an example, we, we don't always understand the depth of things because we don't, I mean, the majority of us aren't farmers. Now, if you raised on a farm, then you get those things. I was not raised on a farm. So sometimes there's these uh, things, and you, you read something by somebody who was a farmer, and you oh, okay, that makes sense. Right? We're going to talk about a name of Christ as we, as we, um, as we continue through this, um, this year, talking about knowing Christ and knowing Him through the different names and the titles and descriptions that are given to Him. Uh, the name of Christ is a little bit like that, and we're um, kind of returning to one that we've talked a little bit about. Uh, we talked, uh, the week before last, we talked about the Son of God and Son of Man. Christ as the Son, uh, and what that means. Uh, last week, we kind of branched out from that. We talked about Christ the firstborn, and they were kind of different. One really had to do with becoming a human. One had to be, do with uh, dying and resurrecting. And you're, you're going to look at one that you're going to go, aren't we talking really, this is like the third sermon that's kind of the same one. And it's not. Luke chapter 3. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 3. Actually, I've got it up here, so I'm going to turn right here. Uh, and verse 21 and 22. He says, Now when the people uh, were baptized, and Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the bodily form like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, and he said, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And some, some versions kind of put this in the... Uh, uh, and, a, and a different person said, this is my beloved son. But here he talks, um, uh, Luke records him as talking to Jesus and says, you're my son. You're my beloved son. And, and we're going to talk about Jesus, the beloved. And it's more than just a son, but he is the beloved son. And certainly is a picture that can't be separated from the concept of being a son. Um, We've talked about the idea of being the image of the sun, and this is all connected. But, but here's a, a, a slightly different aspect of it. Is it goes deeper into the concept of the beloved sun. So what we want to do is talk about the beloved. What does it mean to be the beloved? And so, again, we do this kind of every week. Before we can know, we kind of know about. And we want to learn about Jesus the beloved before we know what does it mean to be the beloved? Not a lot of verses about the beloved, but there's, there's, there's enough that we can, we can get something. I want to talk about... Um, the, uh, that's the wrong... Let's try that one more time. Okay, there we go. John 3, verse 34 to 36, it says, For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on Him. So, the first concept is the concept of affection. That's obvious. He's loved. 
that is a part of the word. He's loved. He's, he's got the Father's affection. Beloved is a picture that illustrates a strong bond. And uh, we can't possibly understand how this relationship works. It is a, really perplexing. I mean, we talked about how Jesus really wasn't referred to as the Son before He came here. We can't possibly grasp this, this idea. And so I think God tries to use pictures and tries to use analogies so that we can kind of get affection. And what does it mean? Now, as I say, at the beginning I, I referred to um, analogies that don't make sense to us. And I, unfortunately, this is one of those analogies that doesn't make sense to everybody because not everybody in the world around us, because of the culture in which we live, understands the picture of a loving father. Wouldn't it be great if everyone could, if you just said, yeah, it's like a father-son relationship. And they think, oh, yeah, I get it. Love. Beloved. Like a, like a son and a father. But not everyone gets that because not everyone has a father. We live in a world that not everyone has a father. Not everyone grows up with their father. And, and many who do grow up with a father, that's not exactly ideal. I mean, some, some grow up and they're neglected or abused or they're, they're always at work or they're always doing this or always doing that. And, and, and they don't always get the concept of a loving father. So, so this analogy is lost on a lot of people, unfortunately. And it's a sad thing. But we try to do the best we can with the pictures that God gives us. I don't always get farming analogies, but that's the analogies I'm given sometimes. No, do the best you can. And so God has affection for His Son. The second picture here is protection. Now, notice this. He says, uh, the Son has, He's been given all things, and the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on Him. Not that God has to protect Jesus from us, obviously. But there's this protective nature. Like, you're going to, this is my son. You pay attention to him. Hey, we talked about Jesus the lion, remember? We talked about Mama Bear. Right? Mama Lion. Don't mess with her. Don't despise the son. I'm here to tell you today. You don't want to mess with Mama Bear, but you don't want to mess. Daddy Bear, Daddy Bear can hold his own too. Right? I, uh, I am one of probably one people that had this happen to him in the last hundred years, at, at least Americans. We were in Ukraine, and this was a couple of years. Uh, Benjamin will probably remember this incident, so I might get some of the details incorrect. Um, our kids played in the back of our... We lived in a, it was like a long apartment building. And, and each kind of apartment building in this complex had a playground with it. Now, we lived on the back side of it. There's this kind of split so that, uh, so that it would, there were, our, ours was on the back and our balcony faced back. So when our kids went out to play, we had them go out to the back, which technically that playground belonged to the building there. I couldn't watch them out the windows because I didn't have windows on the side. So, uh, so we sent our kids to go play on the one in the back. Well, there were people, I don't know if they just didn't like our kids, but 
but they would always, they wanted our kids to play on the other one, because that, that was our playground, and so, so they didn't like our kids playing on this. Now, all of our, like, everybody in our apartment building, I think they had, like, almost no kids. So, so our friend, our kids had friends on the other building, right? So, so they would go around back, and we could watch them, and, you know, kind of babysit from the window. Well, I, I, I'm not, I think it was Julian, it might have been Ben, but I think Julian, uh, had some, some, some of the grandpas and grandmas and that, they, they feel free to interject themselves into your life and, and discipline your children. Um, and I, I think it was Julian who was being harassed by one of these older people. And if this is the story that I remember. And, and, and Benjamin was old enough. He'd kind of watched things. And it, I think Julian was only around four years old at the time. Am I got this right so far? Okay. And so Benjamin's kind of the watchdog. So Benjamin was like, he, he could protect and he could watch out and he would report to, to Daddy Bear. So, uh, so he came back around and, and, you know, you could see Julian's crying. Was he in a fight? What is, so I didn't know what's going on. So, so uh, Benjamin tells me what's going on. And he's like, guy was pulling him, pulling on his ear. I don't know what's the situation. It was, there, it was like all the time. It was constant. So I'm like, I am tired of this guy. He's like, all the time. And uh, so, I, by the time you get around, those long buildings, you can really work up ahead of steam. It's good that the building was long because I've got to think ahead of time what I'm going to say in Russian. And it takes me a long time to formulate the phrases. I've only got a few. Right? So, so I have it pretty formulated. Now, I, I'm small, but I'm long. And uh, so, so, I got up to the guy's door, and he didn't want to open the door. Uh, I wasn't leaving. Benjamin was hiding on the stairs because he was kind of afraid. I don't know what he was afraid of happening. The door opened and all four of my phrases that I had composed came out. There was no bad words. I don't, I, I still never, I never learned any bad words. Um, but I, short, distinct and, you know, to the point. And he knew. But before I got done with those phrases, he this, I, I, I was kind of like, you know, it's a good thing that they don't have guns over there. I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, you're in the process and you're wondering what's going to happen, you know. Oh, they don't have guns over there, that's a good thing. He reaches behind him, and there's like the, the coat rack, right, the kind of thing right on the wall, the hook. And he pulled out a sword. <laughs> I am the only man to have a sword pulled on him at least in the last hundred years. That is an absolute true story. If you want to hear the rest of the story, you've got to ask me afterwards. That's how it ended. I can't tell that part. Don't mess with Daddy Bear, because he's pretty close to Mama Bear. There's protection. God says, don't mess with Jesus, because it's not going to end up with you. In other words, there's a priority list. And, and, and Jesus is the Beloved. And, and the Father can work up ahead of steam. Jesus is the Father's beloved. So understand that about. So, so we want to move on then to knowing the beloved. Now that I know the affection and, and that sense of protection, and, and I don't know how it works because they work together for eternity, and I don't know how that dynamic works and, and, and how that came to be. But I know it to be true. 
I want to read Ephesians 1, uh, 5. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What a powerful statement that is. Just by itself, that is an incredible statement. Every blessing in heaven is yours. That's an amazing statement. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace in which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which, we, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And a couple of things we've talked about before. You, you notice he talked about us being adopted. And we talked about how Jesus is the first one. We're adopted. We're invited in to be fellow heirs. And we talked about that. But I want you to notice this phrase, in the beloved. And I want to talk about transitive property. We talked about this. If A equals B and B equals C, A equals C. That's transitive property. And Jesus says, I love you. I love him. Look up the word beloved and see how many times the word beloved is used about us. But we are not the beloved. But here's the thing about transitive property. Jesus says, he's my beloved. And so, he should be your beloved. He is not simply the Father's beloved. He is the beloved. From all perspectives, he is the beloved. Is he my beloved? He's, he doesn't say the Father's beloved. He has blessed us in the beloved. That kind of assumes that from all perspectives, Christ is the source of affection. He is the recipient of our affection. Maybe better way to say that. I want you to if you haven't experienced something like this, I want you to try to picture it. Now, I grew up in different areas of the country, so this is more likely to happen to me than, than other people. Um, but there might have been some person that you grew up and thought was just really cool and they were the greatest person and they were really neat or whatever. You move away, you go to college or whatever, and um, by chance, the people that you now are a part of meet this person you thought was really cool. And they're really unimpressed. You ever had something like that happen? If you haven't, it's different because now you're like, I'm connected to these people and I really like this person. They don't really, I mean, it's not that they don't like him, but they just, they're not that impressed. And like, I grew up and I was so impressed with this person. And it's like, you almost got to apologize or defend for this. Like, ah, what do I do? I, I'm like right in the middle. And this has happened to me a number of times. And it's, it's because, again, I, I've been associated with a lot of churches and a lot of churches are connected to each other. And so it, it, it puts you in an awkward position. And, and this, is kind of, this is kind of the situation that, that God says. He's like, I really like this person for a long time. I really think he's cool. 
I really like you. You should like this person. That's God. That's the way God looks at this. And there are people that go, Jesus, he's all right. He's all right. I'm, I'm not really that impressed. Well, I mean, that's people outside the church. But Jesus brings them into the world. He says, I am very pleased with him. And people go, eh. I mean, when would I possibly do that? That's, yeah, people outside of the church are unimpressed. But when would I do that? Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah taking, uh, talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you want, I'll make three tents, three shrines. What this is. Let's make three shrines. One for you, Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. A voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Now, Peter's trying. Peter's really trying to do the right thing in his mind. He's like, look at these great people. Here, the people you would have loved to have met. I mean, here's Moses and here's Elijah and they're talking with Jesus. What? I mean, like, this, these are the greats. The greats of the greats. Moses and Elijah, the Old Testament, the greatest prophet uh, uh, is Elijah and, and, and Moses. I mean, the great Moses. I mean, these are the greats. And it's Jesus. And they're all in one place. We should build a shrine. That's what we should do. And Daddy Bear comes up. No, 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 you just put those two guys in the same spot as the beloved. No, we don't do that. Diminishing Christ in any way is like saying, eh, not impressed. In a way, though he, though he didn't mean it, in a way, Peter was not more impressed with Christ than he was Moses and Elijah. In, in equating them. He, he, he was impressed with all three and, and there wasn't a degree of separation. That's the first one. That's the first concept. We just hear Him. Listen to Him. Listen. That's what it takes. We, we worship and, and we say great things and we sing great things. God says, listen to Him. Not a long sermon. What are our priorities? Are my priorities, what else, what other tents, what other shrines are being built alongside that, that are in the same spot? 
Not that I'm getting rid of Christ. I'm not getting rid of him. But what else holds like relatively equal status? What shrines are there that I say, okay, this is kind of one up. And there's no separation. There's no elevation of Christ. God says, whoa, listen to Him. He's all it takes. He's all you need. And I'm just going to conclude with one, one thought. What has my energy? What has my, my attention, my, my effort, my passion? However you want to phrase it. What has... What has that? Because whatever has that, that bear is going to say, nope, this is the beloved. And if he doesn't have all of that affection, then something else is beloved. Something else has my energy, my excitement. Something else is in that same place and, and, and there's no distinction or very little distinction between the rest of the things that I find very important, the rest of the things that I'm all excited and want to talk about. And, uh, uh, what are those things? Those things become beloved. And the Father will get very protective because, because his attention, his excitement, his, his devotion has eternally been the Son. Before he was even called the Son, before we understood him that way, it was Christ. For all eternity. God says, I brought him here into this world to give you all the riches of the heavenly places. All of it. Get excited about him. Not about all these other things that you could enrich your life with here. Get excited about the blessings and the heavenly places because it's through the Beloved.